Welcome to Shattered, the podcast. This is the podcast where we discuss mental illness. It's by a sufferer for sufferers and for the people that are looking to understand what it's like to live with mental illness. G'day, g'day, and welcome back to Shattered, the podcast. We've got another special one for you today. We're going to talk about caring for teens with a mental illness. I'd like to once again introduce our producer and my best friend, Mary. How's it going, bud? Hello. Mate, you're coming on today to talk about something which is very personal to our hearts. It's caring for teens with mental illness. Now, I value your opinion because you had before me no real experience of caring for or living with a person that has a mental illness. So in many ways, you have no preconceived ideas about mental illness and that sort of thing. Whereas me, I had PTSD, I'd worked with people that were emotionally damaged. So I kind of came into it with... Uh, a little bit of a leg up, but you had no pre-warning or inclination that mental illness was something that you were going to need to know a lot about. So given that, let's dive straight in. Uh, teenage years are a roller coaster of behaviors and exploration and teen, well, just living. <laughs> Um, how do I tell the difference between what's teenage behavior and what is a mental illness? Well, first off, I wanted to answer that by just saying that our young people are young people. What does that mean? That means that they're immature, uh, they're developing, so they might not even understand themselves very well, let alone being able to understand their emotions and and such so but how does that play out when you're trying to decide if a person uh, if a child is just being a teenager or if they have a mental illness honestly i don't actually think it's that easy to differentiate between the two i think that they go hand in hand when you're talking about teenagers uh, because mental health a lot of the symptoms and what they go through with mental health looks very similar to when their hormones are raging. And both of them can come across as exceptionally unreasonable. They don't listen. They won't talk. You can't get anything from them. Um, so my answer to that would simply be at, the, at even the best of times, that's going to be very hard to pinpoint and to separate them. Yeah. We've relied on doctors a little bit for that, haven't we? We've, well, you have put that question out to doctors pretty much verbatim. Is this teenage behaviour or is this mental illness? Look, I have, but I even think with medical professionals, there is no hard and fast uh, way to explain that because it's, it is both. It's both. And they own the fact that you have a young person who's struggling to deal with things going on in their world, as well as the fact that their their bodies are slowly maturing and they're sort of impacting each other at the same time. No, that's it's a really important point that you're making there. 
about how hard it is to distinguish between the two. So given that I may have a kid that's got a mental illness, I've decided that their behaviours are extreme enough and maybe persistent enough that it might be just more than hormones. So what's my role in this space? Well, fortunately, I've actually seen that firsthand where you may have a young person who is at that cusp of uh, starting to go into puberty and so on. However, some of their behaviours do seem a little bit intense or more than what you would consider to even be normal. Our role as carers is first and foremost to love and support your person. Uh, Particularly if it's within the family, it could be your child, could be your granddaughter um, or someone who you um, have guardianship of. The most important thing is to love and support them. Even if you had an adult who had mental health issues, there really is nothing more that you can do than support them. It's equally the same for a young person. They, they also need to know that they have your unending love and support. No matter how crazy that their behaviour may be, no matter how hard it is to try and find a level ground with them, they just need to know that they have your love and support unconditionally. And some days that is going to be harder than others. And I just want to encourage the parents to try and, um, and carers just to keep that in the front and foremost of their mind um, and start investigating into treatment. Um, now, you may think that's just by going and seeing a therapist. Actually, there's lots of different things that you can you can go and do with a young person. They've got some amazing options nowadays. There are actually art programs that deal specifically with children with mental health issues. There are camps and there are so many different little avenues like this in which they can go and do. They can go and do group sessions um, and, of course, the one-on-one sessions with a therapist as well. So just continuing on from that, what is not my role? Like, what am I not trying to do? That's a really, really great question and something which I feel that you and I have struggled with and talked about at some length. You're absolutely not meant to be your child's therapist. You are not there to sit down with them and have sessions and to dissect their feelings and help them to navigate what's real and what's not real. Um, Your job is to love and support your child and let them know that no matter what, no matter what is happening, that they have someone there because mental health is a lonely place for the person who is suffering, whether they're an adult or a child. And just knowing that someone's there, whether they access it or not, can mean the difference for them. Okay, so you touched on one particular behaviour and I want to drill down on this a little bit because uh, I'm sure a lot of people find this. You mentioned that teens will often be quiet. Now, we've got uh, two children with mental health issues. We've got one child without 
it seems like at times they can all be quiet. But again, I'd ask you, what do you do in this space? What do you recommend for somebody that's got a child that just will not talk about what's going on in their head? I'm going to say straight off how desperately difficult it is to have a child with issues who will not talk to you. I do have to lean back into what I said before, which was you're not their therapist. Mm-hmm. And you, you really have to grab onto that. But then they won't talk to you and you don't know how they are. Are they okay? Are they sad? Do they need something? And they just won't tell you what it is. Mm. First, you just have to be so incredibly patient. It, it really is um, a test of your patience with your young person who will not talk to you. And I can often have a chat with my young person and come out and just feel like tearing my hair out. Or I just want to shake them by their shoulders and say, talk to me, tell me things, let me help you. But it's just not how it goes. So all I can say is have someone who you can bounce off first. You feel frustrated, you're annoyed, you don't know how they're going. Have someone who you can talk to about that. Uh, at least you can vent if nothing else. This this part is hard, but you do know your young person. You do know them. No matter where they're at in their life, you know this person. And I want to encourage you to try and find a dialogue with your young person that works for them. Mm. Now, it doesn't always mean they're going to talk to you, but I'll give you an example. Our young person who won't talk, if you take them for a drive in the car and just start talking, it's amazing what they'll talk about. Um, a change of perspective, a change of scenery can make all the difference. If you're trying to talk to them in their bedroom, which is often way too dark for, you know, really put some lights on, but it is just important to take them out of that situation where perhaps they're feeling sad for a number of reasons, they're in their room, take them out of the room, take them for a coffee, take them for a drive, take them to do something that they actually enjoy doing to help to promote little bits of conversation. And I don't mean sitting down with them with a list of questions and going, well, how are you really feeling? Are you sad? How sad are you? Um, Keep it simple. Uh, The other thing that I would recommend is like we've done and put in a colour system or an emoji system. Kids love pictures. They love colour. So get them to use that to help tell you where they're at. But just know if they give you an emoji or a colour, you have to kind of leave it. You have to kind of say, well, they've given this to me. And you can't drill them for any more. Just make sure that they're safe. Just make sure they're not going to do anything to harm themselves and then back off. You mentioned the colour system. It's famous in the psychology world, the stoplight. Red is emergency. Orange is I'm not, I'm on the edge. And green is I'm doing great. And there's so much in that metaphor that speaks volumes when those colours when those emojis that you choose have a lot of meaning behind them. 
They're not just a colour. I'm feeling purple. What the hell does that mean? I don't know. Are you itchy? Could be. Uh, But if they say, hey, I'm in the red zone, and what we did is we talked about what our response was going to be to each of those colours, didn't we? So Mm, Absolutely. So she was aware of what our response was going to be to different colours. That's exactly right. I have to say, though, when your child comes to you and says they're green-orange, like, what? What does that mean? <laughs> Pick a colour. So you're a little bit happy but you're a little bit unhappy? Not sure what to do with that. And often you're going to feel that way but you have to just accept and go, okay, well, you know what? You know what the win is? They're not red. So, okay, that's okay. That's all right for today to be a bit green-orange. Um, so... In all this, though, and bearing in mind we're getting to the end of our discussion today, what has been possibly your greatest or best lesson that you've learned? The best lesson that I've learned, keeping in mind that this is still a daily struggle for me, it's still a daily battle for me, and I'm still having constant conversations with you about this, Yeah, is... um. Not owning your child's behaviour yourself. Okay, you're going to have to expand that. What does that mean? How do you own someone's behaviour? To me, I interpret that as going to the place where they are. So sometimes your young person with a mental health can be really angry. And I mean really angry. Don't be angry with them. Um, Or even if they're really sad, don't be sad with them. It's not your emotion, it's their emotions. And we also need to remember and remind your young person that an emotion is is just for a moment and it will pass. Um, And you have to remember that yourself. Your emotions, no matter how much you love them and care for them, they will pass and they need your love and support. And you going to that behaviour with them isn't supporting them. You need to try and distance yourself from that and say, well... You're feeling that way. I understand that you're feeling that way, but I don't need to feel that way with you. No, I like it. I like it. Because you can fall into that emotional trap. You take on the emotion, you ring yourself ragged uh, and then wonder why you're so exhausted all the time. Mm. The other thing that I just wanted to mention for people living with young people with mental health issues is it can feel like a daily battle that you're fighting with them and I talk a lot about frustration and it is frustrating and also you can constantly feel like you're failing and you're in a free fall and you you might take one step forward and then 10 steps back with them and there is no easy answer to that just come back to the love and supporting them and you yourself take time out take some distance from them Go and do something for five minutes that's not saturated in thinking about how they're feeling and what they're doing because you can't change the situation. So make sure no matter what, you're looking after yourself every single day when you've got a young person with these issues. All right. So to finish off the conversation today, I have to ask about hope. Uh, Because everything that we've talked about today, people are probably thinking, 
that our lives are over. All we do is be consumed with our children and we have no time for ourselves. And that's a little bit true for every parent. But particularly when you've got a child that is mentally ill, that is disabled, that is dysfunctional in some way, shape or form. So what I have to ask is, do you have anything nice to say (laughs) about your experience? I do. Even with both of our young people struggling on a daily basis, there is still some absolutely beautiful moments with them. And they are a moment, believe me. (laughs) They're fleeting. (laughs) But... I might have a moment where they just come and give me a cuddle or I can give them a cuddle without them fighting it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And just remember that that little moment means the world to them and just own it. Own that little moment and enjoy it. You could have actually fought tooth and nail all day with them and then it ends off that you have one little moment with them. Just Remember that. Remember (laughs) all the good little things that they are as a person because their mental health doesn't actually define them. And it's not the true them either. It's this worst side of them that comes out. And it's not them. It's not the, the child or the little person that you know and remember. So try and hold on to that and just stay in there because it's a long haul. It's not a short battle. It's a long battle. I'm trying to think of how to wrap up this interview and I'm, I know that we've been talking about kids today. We've been talking about caring for teens, but I think when I ask you what's been your greatest lesson, it's interesting because I was thinking about what is my greatest lesson in all of this. And it's quite simply been to honor you my partner remember my partner remember that my partner is more important than the children and that might sound like a terrible thing to say but for me my wife is she has chosen to spend the rest of her life with me and and I need to honor that and I need to make sure that she's aware that I know that because my kids had no choice they're stuck with me I'm their parent That's all there is. And they're going to leave you one day. (laughs) Hopefully. (laughs) Not not sooner rather than later. Oh, we live in hope. hope, (laughs) But for me, it's about ensuring that your relationship with your partner is your utmost priority in any kind of caring role. Uh, you mentioned a little bit about having somebody to bounce stuff off, so having somebody that can just go, can absorb your frustration and just say, I hear what you're saying. As a person with a mental illness, that's been something that I have struggled with. Uh, at times I've felt really guilty about because I haven't done that well. And at times I haven't done that at all. Uh, at times you've just had a really quiet, surly roommate, kind of a flatmate who shares a bed with you every once in a while. I don't know if I'm even asking a question here. Do you have any thoughts on this? I honestly don't know if I have any thoughts on it. Um, 
All right. So, care for your team, love your team, don't own their behavior. You are not their psychologist. You are not their therapist. You are their parent. Your job is to basically love them and make sure that they're alive. Just wanted to mention um, out of this, should there be particular questions that might be on people's minds to do with their young people? I'm not a therapist, but I am a carer and I can respond from a carer perspective. Ask the question. Maybe the answer might be just what you're looking for. All right. So you can actually contact Mary through any of the social media channels that we have, the Twitter, the Facebook, the Insta, the everything else that you've set up for us. Any question that comes in for Mary, I will absolutely pass on and I can guarantee that we will talk about it in a podcast. Mate, once again, and always, thank you so much. Always a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Shattered, the podcast. I'd like to thank our producer, Meredith Brosnan, our executive producer, Torian Lau, and the band Adelaide for allowing us to use their song as our theme. Go to shatteredthepodcast.com for more information. <laughs>